Hi everybody, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you'd like to know more about us or connect with us, then please do go to our church website and we would love to get to know you some more. Here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages and inspires you. We are continuing this series that we've been looking at through the last few weeks at the cost of living. And uh, we are going today to be looking at the final instalment of this um, that we've entitled Living Generously. So before we go any further, I'm going to pray, then we're going to look at God's word together. Um, But you might want to have your Bible open, because as we have throughout this series, we're going to be looking around at lots of different Bible passages um, as we think about what God has to say to us about this topic of how we live for him with our money. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way in which it reveals to us who you are and for the way in which it helps us to be able to live our lives for you. And so Lord, as we come and as we look at your word together now, we pray that your spirit would be moving as we, as we gather around it. Lord, would it not just be my word, but would it be your word that is shared as we gather together now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read two passages of Scripture initially. Firstly, from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. And the words will hopefully be up on the screen um, so you can follow along with me. Um, And then we're going to read from 1 John chapter 3 together. But first of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And those who sow generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers, for you, their hearts will go out for to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And then turning over to 1 John chapter 3, we're going to start reading verses 1 to 3 and then jump over to verses 16 to 18. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can they the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or with speech, but with actions and in truth. Well, today, as I say, we are finishing this series on the cost of living, and that title is a bit of a double entendre. Everyone knows that we are in the midst of a cost of living crisis. What does it look like for us as Christians to live through that crisis? But even when we're not in a cost of living crisis, we've got to recognize that there is a cost of living. Each one of us needs to use and spend our money to live our lives. So how do we do that in a way that trusts and honors God together? Over the last few weeks, we've seen that Jesus has a lot to say about how we use and manage our money. This series has been building week by week, and so if you haven't already done so, and if you've missed a week previously, I really encourage you to go back and to catch up with some of the ground that we've already covered together. But we started off by talking about how, uh, uh, by looking at the battleground for our hearts. This idea that you can't love both God and money, one of them will have the final say. So we considered how we limit the control that money has in our hearts, and how we can devote ourselves to Jesus above the money that we have in our bank accounts. Next, we looked at the blessing of scarcity. We so often want more, more, more of money, of most things. But we've seen that it's often in the scarcity where we see Jesus most clearly. And no matter how broke we are, we can never be poor because we are all rich in Jesus. And then last week, we talked about being smart with our money, recognizing that Jesus wants us to be wise stewards of the money that he's given to us, and looking at some of the biblical examples of how we can be wise with the money that we've got. So we looked at the importance of budgeting, of uh, But ultimately, that the smartest thing that we can do with our money and with the whole of our lives is putting God first, even in our finances. And today we're going to talk about generosity together, because let's be honest, when money's tight, one of the easiest things to cut is our generosity. However, the Bible is clear. God wants us to be generous with our finances, that we might be a blessing with that which he has blessed us with. As I was pondering this, I wondered if I asked people 
how, gen how if they think they're generous. I think everyone would say that they're generous. Yeah, I'm all right. You know, I'm fairly generous. I give, give my bit. Um, it's like going into a church and saying, are you welcoming? Never once heard a church say that I'm not very welcome, that we're not a welcoming bunch. Everyone wants to be a welcoming church. Everyone wants to be generous. There's this wide recognition that generosity is a good thing. But the question is, what is generosity? What does generosity look like? The average person in the UK apparently gives £27 a month to charity. That's an average of £324 a year. That's a generous sum of money. A little over 1% of the average salary. But the average American family, and I know there's some fellow Americans here prepared to be triumphalists, the average American gives an extra 2% or gives that 2% of their income to charity a year. But there are many people here today in churches around the world who will be giving not just 2%, but 10% of their income away. And then there'll be those who go even further, giving 50% or 90% of their income away. What is it to be generous? Well, I think if we are to understand generosity, then the best place to look is to God. Because we have a God who is the definition of generous. In our first reading today, Paul pleads with the church to practice generosity. He doesn't tell them how much they should give. He doesn't tell them how much they should target to, take, to, to be generous. But instead, he says, God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We could so easily spend all our time this morning just looking at this one passage together. But look at how God wants us to be generous and how he rewards us when we do that which pleases him. He tells the church, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will, re will result in thanksgiving to God. God blesses us that we might be a blessing to others. As the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, a fellow Baptist, said, he said this, the truth is that it is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. Even if I gave the whole of my worth to him, he will find a way of giving back to me much more than I gave. God loves to give. He's the generous God. The philosopher Augustine put it this way, God is always trying to give us things or give things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. God is always wanting to give us more, but if we fail to practice the art of generosity, then we're going to miss out on receiving more of the blessings that he wants to give to us. To put it another way, I don't think this was a philosopher or anyone as highbrow as Charles Spurgeon said this, but put it this way. Money is like manure. You need to spread it around or it, needs to, or it starts to smell. God is good. 
And in his goodness, he is so generous to us. But do we recognize his goodness and his generosity? Holding tightly onto what we have will only result in us missing more of the blessings that God wants to reveal to us in our lives. But what does it look like for us to live generously? This morning, I want to look at three traits of living generously together and how we might maintain these throughout our lives, and particularly in this season of a cost of living crisis. And the first way that we can live generously is by being generous in worship. And worship is much more than just coming along to church on a Sunday. Worship is even more about, about even more than just how much you give to support the life of the church. Worship cannot exist without generosity. Worship recognizes the generosity of God. When we see God for who he is, we can't help but recognize his generosity to us. As Anne and the band led us this morning, recognizing the lavishness of God's love to us. Generosity defines his character. He is good. He is our provider. He gives us life in all its fullness. He was generous enough that through Jesus, he revealed himself to us. That through Jesus, he was willing to lay everything down for us. That we might be blessed. As we encounter the generosity of God, the only suitable response is to be generous in our worship of who he is. This generosity should be seen in every aspect, in every part of our lives, in the way that we honor those around us, in the way that we love people, in the way that we sing and we celebrate here on a Sunday and as we gather with God's people, but also in our finances. Worshiping generously means that giving should be a priority in our lives. In Deuteronomy, God tells his people to take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put it in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. And then Paul follows this principle up in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 16, urging the church that they should on the first day of every week set aside a sum of money in keeping with their income. Giving and worshipping should be a priority in our, in our lives. One of the first things we should turn to is generosity. Worshipping generously also means that we should hold nothing back as we worship our God together. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is King David as he's worshiping his God and his wife sits there and says, David, stop embarrassing yourself. And David turns around and says to his wife and to the whole people present, I will celebrate before the Lord because I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes if it means that I can worship God. You can tell Rachel later whether I've humiliated myself this morning, but I'm going to worship regardless. It's going to be great. Um, may we be generous in our worship. May we never 
be reluctant or hold anything back from God because he has been so generous to us. Is being generous to God a priority for you? Is Jesus a higher priority than the new car? Is he a higher priority than the kids' clubs and the activities of which they're a part? Is he more important than the mortgage? If we've encountered the generosity of God, our generosity needs to be a priority in our lives. So let's talk about that age-old question that everyone's probably expecting me to talk about as we talk about giving and generosity and money in a church. How much should Christians give as we worship God together? How much is Jesus expecting us to give as we don't do the offering bags, but as the offering goes around? How much should we give to support his church and his mission? As I mentioned earlier, some people find the idea of giving a tenth of their income a helpful guide. This principle is set out in the Old Testament, and it's a perfectly viable way of managing your giving. However, some people understandably think that that's a bit too legalistic. And Jesus came to free us from legalism, so maybe 10% isn't appropriate. As I said last week, I think there's some wisdom as a starting point of aiming to give 10% of our income, of saving 10% of our income, and then living on 80% of our income. But some of us might be able to live on less than 80% of our income. Some of us might not be able to live on 80% of our income. And as we've said previously, God gives us to us to be able to support our lives. Ultimately, there is no correct answer to how much you should give. But ultimately, this is a question for you and your heart and God. But I think there are three clear principles that we're going to look at in Scripture about, that should shape what it looks like for us to give generously as a part of our worship. And the first of these is that we should always give something that challenges to us. In 2 Samuel, we hear how David insists on making an offering that costs him something. He wants to make an offering to God, and someone t- gives him an animal and says, there you go, have it, don't worry about the cash, you're the king, you can have it free of charge. And David responds by saying, no, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Our giving to God is not meant to be an easy act. It should be sacrificial. If we are to honor God in our giving, then we need to give an amount that challenges us and that doesn't cost us nothing. Secondly, we should give in a way that's proportional to our income. The model of giving in the Old Testament was proportional. If you get, earned 100 pounds, you gave 10 pounds. If you earned 1,000 pounds, you gave 100 pounds. And then Paul backs up this idea in the New Testament, urging people to give and be generous, as we heard last week, by giving according to their means. It was a proportional way of giving. Finally, our giving should not be based on how we feel. We've heard in our reading today how Paul encourages us to give what you have decided in your hearts to give not under any compulsion, but because God loves a cheerful giver. Our giving 
should be a commitment that we make, a decision made in advance, and one that we are glad to recognize because we are responding to the generosity of God to us. So God wants us to be generous. But why should we be generous? Why should we give? And why should we want to give to God's church? Well, ultimately, it comes down to the kingdom of God and investing in God's kingdom. And there are three key reasons that we see in Scripture about why we should be, invent- why we should be generous as we invest in the kingdom of God. The first of these is that the, pur- is that the purpose of our generosity is to be faithful to Jesus. As we heard last week, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church about generosity and said this, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. In other words, generosity is a mark of our sincerity for our love for Jesus. Do you love Jesus? Yeah? Well, how do you show that? By being generous to those around you. If we are to be sincere in the love for Jesus, then we need to back this up with action. Who would Jesus want you to bless with your money this week? He might want you to bless other charities if you're able to. That's great. But he'd also want to know that you're standing sincerely with him and, his part, and a part of his church as well. So are you invested in Jesus and in his kingdom? Are you partnered with him? Secondly, we should give generously because we want to build God's kingdom. When I speak about money, I always make sure I say that if you are giving money to the church just because you feel like you should, please stop. Never give to the church just because you feel like you should. But if you're passionate about Jesus, if you're passionate about his kingdom being established here in North Cambridge and around the world, then please just give for that reason alone, not for any other reason. Throughout the Bible, people gave so that the kingdom of God would be established. In Exodus 35, we hear one of the first examples of this as Moses encourages uh, everyone who's willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple, scarlet yarn and fine linen, and the list goes on and on and on. And then after he's got all his resources, Moses calls the people with skills to come and be generous and come and make everything that the Lord has commanded. And they all gave, and they all came, and they all got involved, and they did what they were asked. Why? Because their hearts knew the reason for what they were doing. They were building God's kingdom. They were building the tabernacle, the meeting place where God could be worshipped. We have the privilege as members of God's church, in partnering with God and in building his kingdom. We pray regularly. We prayed it this morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Every penny that we spend in this church is an investment in building God's kingdom. And God would love for you to partner with him in building his kingdom. 
finally, we give generously that we might be a blessing to others. We're told in Hebrews, uh, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. This generosity that we're talking about today doesn't have to be grand acts. Next time you're in a coffee shop queuing up to get a coffee, why not pay for the coffee of the person ahead of you whilst you're in the queue waiting? Just as a sign of showing God's love and generosity to them. It doesn't matter if you don't know them. Just say, I want to bless you. Go for it. Um, and a friend of mine um, is a regular at a local coffee shop. And uh, last Christmas, he went into his coffee shop and he gave them all a Christmas bonus. Um, he, didn't have, he doesn't employ them. He just went, you're not going to get a bonus. I want to bless you. I want to be generous to you. Uh, as he went in and he gave them a generous gift, the team couldn't understand why he was giving them such a generous gift. But because of the result of that one act of generosity, um, that relationship with the team that served him coffee on a daily basis has been regularly transformed. He regularly gets to talk to them about Jesus, and they now insist on giving him free coffee every time he goes in. He's blessed to be a blessing. Um, there's proof of it right there. We give because we are investing in God's kingdom, following Jesus and blessing those around us. And finally, if we are to live generously, we need to embrace this idea of the lavishness of God's love and be lavish in our generosity in return. As we heard in our second reading today, John tells us, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. God has been so lavish in what he has given to each one of us here today. And we are now his children. We carry his identity within our hearts. So how might we reveal the lavish love of God to those around us? As John tells us, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? If the love of God is in our hearts, we will also be lavish in the love that we give. And this means that we will be lavish in the way that we love them, in the way we come around them. But it also means we'll be lavish in the finances that we give as well. As the cost of living increases, there is a danger that our generosity may decrease. But throughout this period and throughout our lives, may we continue to fix our eyes on the God who is generous. May we respond to his generosity as we worship him and as we invest in his kingdom. May we also bless those around us, always being generous as God has been generous to us. And through it all, may we know and make known together the lavish love of God. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you this morning for your goodness and your generosity to us. 
Lord, we thank you that you have not only loved us, but you have lavished your love upon us. And for the way that we see that, not least through Jesus. Lord, we recognize the difficulty of this area around money. And Lord, we again pray that you would help us to have faith and to demonstrate your generosity to those around us. Lord, we thank you that you are a good and generous God. We pray that we will continue to see and know your generosity in all that you have given to us throughout our lives. Lord, as we invest together in your kingdom here in this place, may we play our part in investing in your kingdom here. May each penny given in this space go for your kingdom and for your glory. May you work through us in ways that we could never dream or imagine as we partner with you in the privilege of building your kingdom here on earth as it is on heaven. And throughout our lives, Lord, may we build our lives upon the love that you have lavished upon us, not least through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died and rose again that each one of us might have hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.